Today, we're going to start a brand new uh, sermon series that I'd like to do. And this, this uh, sermon series we're going to do is, uh, as you can see, it's on stewardship. Now, don't everybody cheer in excitement all at once, okay? <laughs> um, before I even go forward, I'll just tell you a little bit about me. And I know I've been here for over a little over a year now, and, and some of you are getting to know me a little bit more, my humor over here, <laughs> and, uh, and then just a little bit about my heart, okay? So, something I want you to know about me. As a pastor, I have been reluctant to preach about stewardship. Um, even from the, the church that I was a part of back in Hawaii for 20 years, it wasn't something that I looked forward to, and um, I, I, I rarely even preached on it. In fact, after being here for over, what is it, a year, almost a year and a half now, this is my first sermon on stewardship. Isn't that interesting, right? And so you guys know this. And the reason for that is because I grew up in the, in the 80s, and, and those of you who grew up in the 80s that are a little bit older like myself may remember that back in those days... Um, there were some scandals that took place in, in, um, in the church and on TV with televangelists and TV personalities that were, were, were Christian leaders. And, um, and the scandals were, were both, you know, in, in, in all kinds of ways, but some of it were financial. And the ripple effect of that was that every news agency, every newspaper and the, 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 the news channels were all reporting on all of the scandals that were happening in the life of the church. You guys remember that happening? And, um, and I, I lived through that as a young Christian. And then when the church talked about stewardship or took tithes and offerings, the, 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 the people in the church at the time would complain and would mutter words like, all the church ever wants is my money. And they'd say stuff like that because of the things that they were seeing on the news and, and when the church asked for support financially and, and people were, were frustrated with you know, what was happening in, in, in those days. And I want you to know that as a young Christian leader, that impacted me. It impacted me, and it scarred me a little bit. And so when I stand up and I preach on stewardship, even back at my, my church back in Hawaii, I, I always feared this one fear, that people at the end of the sermon would walk out and mutter, all oh, the church ever wants is my money, right? That's my, that was always my fear. And I never, ever wanted it to get to that place. Now, at the end of today, <laughs> after this sermon or any sermon that you hear in, in this series, if that's how you feel as you exit the church, know that that's not my intention. Because one thing I sincerely, sincerely believe is that stewardship really, more than anything, it's not a matter of, of money. It's a matter of the heart. And so I want to make my intentions very, very clear right off the bat so you know what it is. At the end of today, today's message and the end of my series, if people walk out of our church doors muttering, all this church ever does is preach on Jesus and how much God wants my whole heart. If that's your complaint today, 
then I will be a happy pastor. Okay? So, let's begin. To be a good steward is not easy. I want you to know that right off the top. If it were, I wouldn't need to preach on it. We'd all be good stewards right off the bat, right? But honestly, to be a good steward, it's not easy because being a good steward requires a full devotion to God. Like God requires not just a part of you, not just some of who you are, but all of who you are. And that's why today... My sermon, the passage, the text that I'm using is a familiar text. And this text has been used to spur people on to do great things for the kingdom of God. I will share the, uh, the passage and instantly some of you will already know this. Philippians 4.13. And you go, oh, I know Philippians 4.13. I see it on plaques. I, I see it on bumper stickers. I even know some athletes that have tattooed it to their bodies. Because Philippians 4.13 has a very inspirational message, and it is right here on the screen. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And so, you might be asking yourself, well, Pastor, what an odd passage to use to talk about stewardship. (laughs) But really, it's not. It's not an odd passage of scripture to talk about stewardship primarily because this passage has everything to do with stewardship. Not only is this verse inspirational for people to accomplish great things in the kingdom of God, but when you read this passage of scripture in the context that it was written, this passage of scripture really is a commitment of the heart and what it means to be a good steward. And so what I'd like to do is look at this passage in the context where it was written. It comes from Philippians chapter 4. And if you remember not long ago, I preached a sermon series through Philippians at the start of this new year. And I just want to take a quick second to remind you of the relationship that the Apostle Paul had with the church in Philippi. The church in Philippi stood above the other churches, um, as Paul's, uh, Paul's affinity for that church. He, he loved the church in Philippi, I would dare say, more than the others, if you can do that. And, and part of it was because the church supported Paul's ministry in such beautiful ways. They, he, they supported him with people. With human resources, they sent Epaphroditus, and Timothy was a part of that, and they helped Paul in his ministry. But also, they took up an offering, and they cared for Paul while he was in prison. And, and you know, when, when, when there's an affection that goes back and forth this way, the love just continues to grow. And so, Paul writes this love letter, this letter of joy to the church in Philippi. And um, in, in chapter 4... Beginning at verse 10, this is what Paul says to the church. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. 
I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation with whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So this is not about scaling mountains or this is not about even planting new churches, although when we, you know, Read this passage of scripture, especially verse 13. It's so inspiring because I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. The context of this is about contentment. And isn't it interesting that Paul says that in Christ, he has the strength. He has found the strength to be content. Who ever thought that you needed strength for contentment, right? I mean, that, that's not anything that I, I, I thought of initially, but contextually, when applied to this passage of Scripture, to where it's really speaking to us, it's really about contentment. So, who here can honestly say that they can be content, fully content, without the help of Jesus? I would dare say that not many people, if you have an honest assessment of who you are, can say, yeah, pastor, I I think I can, I think I'm more than content even without the help of Jesus. I, I, I don't know about that. Because contentment is hard. It's not so easy because we live in a culture that tells us that more is better and much more is much better, right? Now, don't raise your hands. But who here still has toilet paper left over from COVID? (laughs) Because you thought more was better and much more was even better, so you stocked your whole garage full of toilet paper. I mean, that's the kind of, uh, of attitude that so many people have. That more is good, but man, much more... That's, that's much better. More better. Thank you. More better. So it's a challenge for us to really find and be content. And this verse is helpful to know that the source of our contentment comes from Jesus. He transforms us. He helps us to make sure that what we're longing for in our hearts is not just more and more and more things of this world, but to put things right into perspective and to give us the strength to be able to do that. Because along with this powerful verse that I just shared with you in Philippians 4.13, we know that the Apostle Paul discipled Timothy. And, 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 and he, really, he really poured into Timothy as a mentor to a mentee. And here are the words that Paul was teaching Timothy as he wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 to 10. This is what he tells Timothy. He teaches Timothy this very important principle. But godliness with contentment is great gain. 
For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich, they fall into a temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Wow, the word of the Lord. Now I'll read this in pigeon. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) What an amazing passage of scripture we have from Paul to Timothy talking about godliness and contentment. And it's such an important message on what it means to be content. This passage of scripture here in 1 Timothy was written about 64 AD, long time ago. And it's still so applicable to our everyday lives today. Wow. So amazing. Every single word of what Paul writes to Timothy is something that I need to hear. Something that I think we all need to hear. Because the constant desire that people have to gain more and more and more and lack contentment wreaks havoc on our lives. And you know where it wreaks havoc the most, I think? It's in the relationships that we have. And I want to highlight a couple of relationships that when we lack contentment, when there is a lust for more and more, how our relationships suffer greatly as as a result of it. And so the first relationship that I want to highlight that that gets ruined and damaged when when there's just a lust for more is the relationship that we have with each other. Right? When, 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 my, when my desire is for, for me to have my way and get what I want, which is really what lack of contentment is all about. When I, when I want my own things and I want it my way, I've got so many stories that just pop into my mind right now about how that has played out in my own life. I'll take two seconds, to, two minutes to just tell you a funny story. When I was a pastor in Hawaii... We had lots of little uh, children in our church, and, and the kids often brought um, their Girl Scout cookies to church to sell. And they knew Pastor Gordon loved Girl Scout cookies. So, Pastor Gordon, will you buy Girl Scout cookies from him? Oh, yeah, sure. And I, and, I, and I bought my favorite cookies. Say amen if you agree with me. The best Girl Scout cookies are Samoas. Amen. amen. Thank you. I see those hands. <laughs> and so, I, 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 you know, I... I direct them to Rochelle because I don't have anything on me. And I said, go see Auntie Rochelle and, and she'll get... But I want two boxes of Samoas. And Auntie Rochelle, tell her, she can buy her own Samoas if she wants, but don't take mine. Those are my cookies. And obviously, you know, Gordon's getting two Samoas, so we'll get two of the thin mints and a couple of shortbreads. But when we take the cookies home, they don't buy any extra Samoas for themselves. Those are my cookies, right? And then they start eating my cookies, which is a no-no in my home. So what I did was I took my cookies and I hit them. I, I, 
I hit him. And my daughters, they were little. They saw me. So when I wasn't there, they took the cookies from where I hid it and hid it somewhere else. So when I wanted a cookie, and I went to go and like... And then I started questioning my own sanity. I thought I put... Where did I... Then I was in agony because I couldn't remember where I had put my cookies. I thought it was there. And remember the passage in Scripture? It says right here that um, it plunges people into ruin and destruction. (laughs) That was me. Oh, I was ruined and destroyed. It was hilarious, though. But don't we have all stories like that in our own lives where we're in our relationship with other people? That, that we don't get our things or even our way. And that causes fights and quarrels. James writes that in James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Do they not come from your own desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. So you kill and you covet. And you can't have what you want. So you quarrel and you fight. Who hasn't been there before? The constant desire for more places value on things above people. And we cannot do that, church. We cannot do that. Because when we do that, it just brings out the worst in us. When I couldn't find... My Samoas, I went through a fit of rage. (laughs) And when I found out that my girls stole it from me, they were grounded for three years. (laughs) But man, our own desire for our own, more and more, they, they put us in conflict with others. You see how that is played out in real life, right? Which leads me to the second relationship that the second relationship that is impacted when there is not a healthy understanding of contentment in our lives. The relationship that I want to warn you about is the relationship that we have with things. Right? When, 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 when we want just more and more, it impacts our relationship with others because we don't get our own way. Even the, even the people with unlimited resources cannot get everything their own way. And it, it, it ruins their relationships with others. But it's when we place things above people. When the relationship that we have with the things of this world become more important than the relationships that we have with people. We're in trouble, people. Many people have an unhealthy relationship with their things. Because when we fall in love with our things, we're heading down a dangerous path where the Apostle Paul says, He uses this word. That path is evil. It's evil. And he gives gives Timothy the warning. He says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. And you can take out the word money and you can put in there cars. You can put in there handbags, golf clubs, smartphones, 
anything. And evil begins right there. Surely does. And, and when we're not careful and we, ha- we place more value in the things that we have than the people in our lives, we, 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 we are going down the path of evil. So Jesus gives us the remedy for that. When he says there in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, he shares this lesson on how, how we ought to relate with the things of this world. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But he says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then the last part of this here in verse 21, let's pay close attention to this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. When we put our treasures in earthly things, that's where our heart lies. And at the very beginning of my sermon, I said that stewardship is all about the heart. It's a heart issue. It's not a money issue. And that's what Jesus is saying right here. That where your Where your treasures lie, there your heart will also be. So what do we treasure in this world? What in this world is so valuable and so important to us that we're going to invest our whole whole emotional self in love to it? Is it the stuff that we have? Or is it the people in our lives? Because it's about relationships. And that's where the rubber meets the road on all of these issues. Stewardship and contentment is a matter of the heart. And where your heart is, where your treasures are, that's where your heart is. Do we love the things of this world? Or do we love, love, love Jesus? Because that's the third relationship. That gets impacted when we have a lust for more, right? When our thirst for more becomes a love affair with things, the relationship that suffers the most is our relationship with God. And the Apostle Paul's lesson to Timothy says this, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierce themselves with many griefs. Sadly, I doubt that there's anybody in our church here, unless you're really young, that doesn't know a person, or maybe many people, who have wandered from the faith. Because they have fallen in love with something else more than Jesus. If we don't guard our relationship with God, the devil will tempt us and distract our attention with really nice things. Things that we think we can't live without. Things that we need. And they become an idol. Because the lust for more has pulled many away from the kind of relationship that God desires to have. But I want you to know that God has a plan. He has a plan for 
for what we desire most. Because when we can fix that problem where our affection lies, and if it's not on the things of this world, but if we can refocus our attention to what Jesus teaches us about what we ought to really focus on, He gives us the proper priority of our affection. And it's found, and this is a passage that I know many of you know and have memorized, Matthew 6.33. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I love that. God doesn't desire us to go without but he wants us to have the right relationship with things. It's not the most important thing. Jesus is the most important thing. So seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then these other things will fall into place. Loving the things of this world. You know what it really is? When we fall in love with the things of this world, it really is a sign of of self-love and self-centeredness, right? When the focus is not necessarily on, on, on the thing, but on me. It's on me. Because I can't live without it. I don't want to be without it. Whatever it might be, thinking that it's going to make my life better. When we focus on me and what I want, what that leads to is just always leads to unhappiness because you're never satisfied. It leads to disillusionment and evil. We talked about that already. That's the problem with our world today. They tell you that the most important thing is you. And if it's all about you, then you'll never be satisfied. And so there's a solution that God provides. It's seeking His kingdom first. And the solution then comes back to our our lesson today on stewardship and learning contentment. So I want to leave you with these last three things to remember before we leave. To take with you as what we can take from today's message. Remember these three things. First, remember the Apostle Paul's message to Timothy. Remember that godliness with contentment is of great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. Right? Everything we have is temporary, even the nicest golf clubs. (laughs) That promises to cut your score by five strokes is all temporary. Right? Nothing. We came into this world with nothing. We're not going to be able to take anything out of this world. Why are we so concerned about having all of these things when at the end it's not going to go with us? So one of the things that I'm going to talk to you about in the weeks to come is about sharing your things with those who need it. Because what a great lesson when we don't hoard and hold on to our things, but learn to let them go and see the blessing of what we would have had when shared with others glorifies God and blesses the people around us. Whereas if, 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 if wanting everything myself brings strife 
and, and, and covetousness and all these things that, that we struggle with in our relationship, then giving it away might be the fruit, the seeds that bear fruit for great things that God would do in us. So remember the first thing. Godliness with contentment is of great gain. Here's the second thing to remember. Oh, I I just mentioned it. The things in this world are temporary. (laughs) Right? And our focus should, should be more so on the eternal. Jesus said in Mark 8, 36. What good is it to gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? And what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Everything we have at the end of our life is going to be nothing to us. So why, why spend all of our time trying to gain it all? Better yet, let's focus our treasures somewhere else on more eternal things. A great steward is someone that learns the first lesson we learn as children. Learn to share. We teach that to our children well. It's something that we need to do as well too. And God calls us to share our time, share our talents, and share our treasures with those around us. Because contentment comes when we have the right relationship with God, with others. And also with our things. And then the third thing that I want you to take away with to remember is that being a good steward and finding contentment is hard. But we go back to the passage of scripture we began with. Philippians 4.13 I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. We can be good stewards. We can learn to grow in our contentment, have the right relationship with God, with each other, and with the things of this world. 